0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapin's
1: Colossus.
0: Welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast, episode 160. Yeah, we have to pay the bills here. I apologize for the ads. Well, it's because we've moved to a new service and We now can make money off this podcast. You realize for four years that I've been doing this show as your humble host. We haven't made a dime doing this, but now we can make a little money. We're all broke, either recent college graduates or still in the mode of recent college graduates because you've been unemployed for so long. That's been another running joke of this podcast is how unemployed I am. So, uh, yeah, ads on the show. Hi, Thomas.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it shouldn't be too crazy, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's part of something that we're, you know, we're part of an SB Nation sort of podcast network now. Um, we're going to find out kind of along with you guys what that means. And, uh, yeah, it should be fun.
0: It means ads, and it means we get paid a little bit of money. I don't, a little bit. Like we 12 cents. Really I say that there's a ton with the ads going on, but we will figure out as time goes on how that works. The only difference you're going to have to have with this is basically – where you're listening to the show we should be if you were subscribed to us on soundcloud we should be able to have had transferred you over to megaphone if not please send somebody a message and we'll get the kinks worked out okay so do not be uh, afraid of asking a question if something's having uh, an issue we'll take care of that for you uh second part of that is
2: uh, lamar's back hi lamar What's up? I'm just trying to get splashed about me on these, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. If you've listened to a podcast, it's probably them or um that's another good one. That's always on podcasts.
1: Squarespace.
0: Squarespace. Squarespace. Is yeah, Audible, Audible's another one cuz Amazon owns the world. Um what's that mattress one? The mattresses. I can't remember, but free advertising for them too. Anyway, uh <laughs> While we spend a couple of times uh, too long talking about ad stuff, there's actually, for June, it's going to be one of the busiest podcasts we've ever had. There's a lot of Maryland news, and we start, Thomas, with what we had been teasing for, what, like three, four weeks? Maryland's going to hire an assistant coach. Maryland's going to hire an assistant coach, and they never did, but now they have. Former Michigan assistant DeAndre Haynes, he is not a name that we were hearing in the initial uh, talks, but it's one of those where it kind of fell into Maryland's lap because of what happened in Michigan, and they might have actually lucked into probably one of the better hires they could have made.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, waiting kind of paid off for them. It was you know, originally we were thinking you know, some decent names, you know, Kenya Hunters over, over at UConn, Kenny Johnson uh, at LaSalle now, was at Louisville um, Dwayne Simpkins, former Maryland point guard, and an assistant George Mason um, You know, I don't know how in the mix guys like keith booth and keith gatlin were um you know obviously former maryland players who've been in the coaching ranks a little while now um but deandre haynes is about as good a hire as you could have made doing this and it he wasn't available you know during that earlier round because he was still in michigan but it was one of those things john beeline left and haynes you know Juwan howard comes in he doesn't keep haynes you know it's not a personal thing he just wants his own guys. And so Haynes found a landing spot, Maryland got it, you know, Maryland got its guy. The press release had quotes from like John Beeline um, calling it a tremendous hire and just a a bunch of guys that, you know, Haynes has worked with a hire like this. Everyone will say nice things. Haynes just seems like absolutely a perfect fit. Um, He's, he was like almost an offensive coordinator at Michigan. And you know how Maryland fans love wishing for a better offense something that flows a little bit uh he's worked he worked a lot uh particularly with the guards like xavier simpson became you know one of the best guards in the big 10 jordan Poole's off in the pros now um so he'll bring that he'll try and you know develop a sort of similar relationship with anthony Cowan, and eric Ayala, guys like that it it really just seems like you know a great fit and worth the wait
0: i think so and not only can you hire an assistant that just worked with the team that's, you know, over the last what, half a decade been really good, one of the best teams, not just the big time but the country, but getting somebody who could help you on offense and also make good guards better, I don't think many Maryland fans are going to complain about
2: that. Lamar, what are your uh, immediate thoughts on this hire? Uh, immediate thoughts are home run, uh, because again, you get someone who can work with the guards who can make them better, someone who can work with the offense, but at the end of the day you have someone who's played the game at this level and knows what it takes to be successful. Uh Haynes is a former MAC player of the year, uh honorable mention all-American, had a career overseas, so like he knows the game, he knows the uh game from the point guard level and he'll be able to show these guys different tactics, different like he'll he's a very good player development coach. Uh it's yet to be seen how impactful he'll be in recruiting, but when you have Bino or Anson uh, spearheading that, uh, you can afford to take uh, a assistant coach who's not as recruiting forward. I think and the beeline
1: quote does highlight that he is, you know, a pretty solid recruiter as well. I mean, yeah. he was only at Michigan for two years, so he doesn't have much of a track record with that, but, you know... You know, that's one of those things. You kind of trust Beeline. He's not the guy who will lie, even if it's a press release. Yeah. So. Well,
0: well, there's also the idea that Michigan. Oh, this was the weird part about hiring Jawan Howard, and we'll not get a ton into that. But it was, I think Jalen Rose said it or something like Michigan wasn't getting the McDonald's All-Americans. No, but they got three stars that made them incredibly good. You know, they turned these players you never heard of, and they were again, best team in the Big Ten, or second best, and they made it to multiple national championship games. They're a damn good team in terms of development. And Maryland has plenty of good players and is not bad at recruiting. So if you could combine those two things, on paper it sounds amazing.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and there have been arguments from uh, the fans, warranted or not, that... Uh, Turchin isn't as well at development and I think he's going to end up sending his second straight player to the first round of the draft so you can say what you want about that but if you add someone whose primary goal and primary job will be the development and the uh, help on that offense uh, put them together with another player development guy like Matt Brady and you have a pretty good staff in what's going to be a crucial year
0: I think that it's it's just a fascinating situation because of how it came about where DeAndre Haynes was and now where he is and what it brings to Maryland now. I don't think it really changes much in terms of the outlook right now. We have legitimately no idea what he's going to do, but having a new voice in the ears of a really, really good backcourt Thomas, it can't hurt because the one thing you can say about Maryland is that the coaching, maybe at times it gets a bit stale and we've seen improvement from players there's no doubt about that but getting a new voice in the ears of a lot of players who have heard very similar things for a long time i don't think anybody's going to complain about that
1: no i mean haynes you know he's been in the big 10 the last two years so he knows the conference really well but he knows these players because he had to coach against them mm Mm-hmm. and of course he'll know what what's left of the michigan roster um not that that's you know a real turning point, but it is a plus once you know once you have your guy. And yeah, I mean, I think it's especially big for Cowan who's working. You know, he you know we he talked about this in the last show. We've talked about it throughout the process. Like we all expected him to come back. You know, he's back. He you know he's good enough to have a pro career at this somewhere. And I think a year kind of studying the game with with Haynes and developing under him and learning from him is has a chance to really help him a lot. And you know change just improve what he can do um you know in in this game
0: and also there's the rest of the backcourt which is going to be very much served by Haynes's coaching because Maryland's has a, a getting deeper backcourt and now I mean you just had a little bit of coaching magic to Ayala Wiggins Morcel and everyone else Sorrell Smith Sorrel Smith yeah yeah you think about that you go oh boy that's that's something interesting could happen. Also, I mean, he might be more of an X's Nose guy and the guy that draws up plays and how many times have Maryland fans criticize Mark Turgeon for the same play over and over again. Maybe maybe you see something like that in more like in game adjustments, which is something we know that Maryland fans really loathe with Mark Turgeon because it never ends up happening.
1: Yeah, so I mean we'll see. Like, um you know, Matt Brady is someone that a lot of guys point to as a very good development coach. Um, yeah and then Michigan Haynes was kind of an offensive coordinator and I think the one thing I know, know a lot of fans that's about. what they wanted out of this
0: I think the one thing we know about Michigan's offenses was it was incredibly complicated I think that was the thing you heard every time you watched a Michigan game like oh it's this really complicated offense there's all these intricate things going on Maryland's offense was kind of simple the high ball screen and pray basically don't go inside the three point arc until, you know, the clock shot clock's down to ten. Something like
1: that. So Yeah, my guess is you see something kind of in, in between those two. Um, you know, you see a lot more of the, the basic stuff. I mean Turgeon's always been a player's coach and part of that is kind of letting the players dictate what goes on on offense. Um, but to have more plays and to have more elaborate things you can do should be able shouldn't hurt.
2: We should also- and I think. oh go on. I think it goes back to a little. Uh, if you think of last year's team, it was very strong defensive team that was clearly its best uh, facet of the game. And you bring back almost everybody except for Bruno, who is of course the anchor of that team. But you give Jalen Smith a chance to step up into that role, and someone who can improve the offense and just even improve the end game offense, uh, offensive adjustments, gives this team a whole new facet that. Maryland fans have been waiting for that could put them to the next level and could like it changes the outlook of this team a little bit, not like to oversell it. But this is a really good hire.
0: Well, hopefully, it cuts down on the turnovers. Yeah, hopefully, it cuts down on the turnovers. That's probably the biggest thing.
2: Yeah, uh, especially having a guard oriented coach, just like decision making is something that is hard to teach, but it's possible to teach. And
0: again, I think new voices in your ear definitely help you teach that better Because at a point you tune out the old voices. It happens with everybody. But new voices, look it up. So this is again, it's it's another addition that on paper looks great when it comes to a team that is starting to be like legitimately in the top ten of all of the you know preseason early predictions. And you know what, Maryland's not going to necessarily be like oh my god national championship contender like they were in 2015-16. But it's still a, a team that's going to have a lot of expectations, a lot of excitement going forward couple of other things with basketball we should mention the rules changes they were just approved three-point line moved back offensive rebound, shot clock reset to 20 it's going to open up the offense a little bit so hey those big 10 slogs might not necessarily be big 10 slogs anymore
2: yeah uh i like the rule changes i like so more than the three-point line moving back like i like that's a like that's something i think we should always re-examine because like for a while, the three point line literally wasn't a part of the game and it added a whole new dimension, but whatever. The actual offensive rebounding aspect, I like, it's gotta speed games up. And I liked how it worked uh, this year at the next level, so I'm yeah, glad that th- – If you didn't know that, you, the the
0: clock resets, I think it was the 16 when you had the 14. Oh, 14. So it's still like it speeds the game up a lot. And here, we yeah. will shave a third of the shot clock off on offensive rebounds. It's going to make the game
2: move a lot faster, and it's trying to juice like, up offense. Two college possessions is a minute. That's ridiculous.
0: Well, again, you, how many times have we watched Big Ten games that are just
2: slogs? What was that? Uh, we watched a, what was it, double overtime Wisconsin-Indiana game?
0: I don't remember what it was, but there was one game where that, like, or Wisconsin-Purdue or something like, or Purdue-Indiana, I can't remember what it was, when the score was in the 50s.
2: It was just yeah. gross and we were watching Romeo uh, Langford try to win uh, like that was terrible I, I just I, I remember that was when Maryland was fighting for the double buy, but I was I pretty much blocked that game out of my memory well there's
0: also well there's also the idea that the Game 4 of the NBA Finals was compared to a Big Ten game multiple times because that game was gross. But at least that game is now very much in the rear view. Uh, the other thing in basketball that we need to talk about, and uh, I don't know how long we're going to go on this, but we might go a while, Thomas, and It is our old friend, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The thing that Mark Turgeon has never won in since he was the coach at Maryland. And uh, this year he might win because Maryland's playing a terrible team. And I was legitimately kind of angry when I saw this. I don't know the average Maryland fan, what they are saying in terms of their reaction to this, but Notre Dame's bad. Notre Dame, if it wasn't for the fact that Virginia Tech just got a new coach and it's not exactly Buzz Williams who they hired, Notre Dame might not be in the tournament period next year, and Maryland's playing them, while Maryland's a top five projected team in the country based on where you look. It's bad.
1: So, I mean, just we'll start here. Is throughout this whole tournament or the challenge, um, all the matchups kind of make sense just sort of tier-wise. Like, it's, or in it's terms of the, the team. premier team. Yeah, it's like Duke-Michigan State. You know, those are, like, just going off preseason rankings, they're numbers one and two in pretty much everywhere you look. And they just met in the Elite Eight. Uh, Virginia-Purdue met in the Elite they, Eight last year.
0: But here's the other thing with Duke and Michigan State. They do play basically every year. Or at least once they every year.
1: They play years. like... Yeah, they play once every three years, and then they'll find a way to make sure they play each other those other years.
0: I mean, it's not bad, and Maryland will never play Duke in the ACC Big Town Challenge until 10 years after Coach K's in the ground because,
1: you know, things are stupid. But Yeah, maybe... so I think it's less it's less about getting Duke, which I think, you know, is the sort of... This is what every Maryland fan wants, That's and I kind of get it.
0: That's the white
1: whale. That's the white whale. Yeah, and the, you know... I'm kind of over getting mad about it when this tournament comes along, you know, when this challenge comes along, but you know what you would like to at least see one of the teams they have history with and Maryland, you know, they were in the ACC for a, a long time and, you know, like nine, 10, 11 of the, you know, 15 teams in the ACC, like they have history with as a conference foe and, instead, you know, since they've been in the Big Ten, they've gotten UVA twice. They got UNC when they were one of the top teams in the country. The teams were like preseason top five, both of them.
0: We didn't um, complain about that because that was no good. But
1: then the other years, they've gotten Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and now Notre Dame, who we're not, we're they just teams. didn't overlap with in the ACC at all. They, you know, Notre Dame played Maryland once when they were in the same conference. And then on top of that, it's that, Notre Dame's coming off a last place finish. It's got a, you know, it's got a good track record. Mike Bray has done a lot of great things, and I imagine they'll be better next year. But just if you go down the list, everything either makes sense as a, you know, a, from a prestige standpoint, or from, you know, just a history standpoint. Like why can't and Maryland, Maryland Notre Dame State. just doesn't.
0: Why can't Maryland play
2: T like, State? Yeah, even teams like NC State, Wake Forest. Like we've played Wake Forest in a secret scrimmage, but we haven't drawn them in the last what five ACC Big Ten challenges. Like it's soft at this point. Like you gotta like that's a well, soft even schedule. Florida State, stand. like, well, like Florida anyway. State, it's like not at Miami.
0: Eh, less Miami, but I mean less like,
2: Miami, but I'd take it. Well, over Notre
0: Dame, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd take Virginia Tech over over Notre Dame. Because Virginia Tech has more of an ACC team, you know. I remember when they were in the Big East, but they're less of that now, you know. Again, yeah. It's like, well, also, I think it's not even just as much as it's Notre Dame. It's Maryland's playing a team that's, that was bad and is not going to anywhere near be probably what their level is next year. One of the games that I think everyone was talking about was Louisville-Michigan, right? Everyone thought, oh, Michigan's going to be great. Louisville, again, projected top 10 team with Chris Mack. However... Now that Michigan's not falling apart but is looking a lot different, people are wondering, oh, maybe Maryland could have played Louisville. Now, while that still would have been, oh, Louisville's a Big East team, Louisville's also projected to be, depending on where you look, top 10 preseason rankings. So that would have been a really good game, just from a basketball perspective, and it would have been a great test for Maryland, whether they host it or go on the road. I think maybe they gave them a bone by having them host another game as opposed to going on the road, because they now hosted two straight games in the challenge. But... Again, it's not a good game. It's not a good game. Now, it is better than playing UMES or Mount St. Mary's or any of this other nonsense, but could have been a lot better. Now, I think we've mentioned they're at a conference schedule before on this show, but we'll, we'll Thomas, let's recap it again in case people forgot. They're playing the Advocare Challenge, which is Orlando. That's Thanksgiving. Marquette's in that. They're not as good as they were supposed to be because of the Housers. Um, I think Temple's in it. They don't have Fran Dunphy anymore. I think USC's in it. Harvard's in it. Harvard's a a very good mid-major team. So not great, but not terrible, obviously. They go to Seton Hall, which is going to be a really good game because Seton Hall is uh, projected to be the best team in the Big East, according to Manny. So I'm
2: going to stop you there just because that's crazy. Like you remember, I don't know if you remember last year when uh, Turgeon talked about how they set that up. Like, they, neither, neither coach thought they were going to be good. So, they were like, ah, oh, yeah, we're young. Uh, and now both are expected to be top 10, top 15 going into the years. Just crazy how, things, how much the season changes things.
0: Well, as long as they're playing teams that, you know, aren't scrubs. I mean, they're also playing Rhode Island and George Mason. So, they're going to have a lot of home games, obviously, as Maryland often does. But they're going to play neutral site games. They haven't been in, like, a legit tournament. And that Niceville tournament doesn't count. I mean, that that, remember the game that Maryland fans had to watch with no commentary on YouTube because they lost.
2: Yes, I loved it because uh, it meant I didn't have to watch Maryland get their ass kicked by Penn State at home that day.
0: Ah, that's true. I I mean, you were there. We were. We were all
1: there. No, I didn't.
2: Press box watching. I was at home on the. uh... Oh, you were at home. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 That was I. We didn't make you come. Yeah. That was that was amazing because we I
0: remember the stories we told on that podcast like all the Penn State writers are there they're writing about the football game and the Maryland writers are writing about basketball
2: it was absolutely <laughs>
0: hilarious but I mean like in terms of like a real legitimate like out of conference tournament like this I don't think they've played in one in a while so it has been
1: a while and I mean the the teams we mentioned also in it uh, Texas A and M USC um, I said
0: USC but Texas A and M yeah they just Davidson Williams. Davidson might be a really good team this year. Davidson yeah. would be pretty good. And
1: then Fairfield, Harvard, like Temple. Harvard is not going to be bad. Like, those I mean, are pretty good teams to fill out a field for this. And you'll get three games out of this. And it's 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 better than what Maryland would get if it had to schedule its own games.
0: I.e. last year or the
1: year before. Yeah. So. Um, and then throwing in, like, a matchup like George Mason or Rhode Island. Like, those are, you know, pretty good conferences to play teams from you know the atlantic 10 is like it's not the the mac you know it's not whatever else it's not the MIAC, yeah not the MIAC, not whatever else you know and I, or the you know,
0: you know, conferences. Conference
2: two years ago yeah yeah there
0: was that no they don't have their coach anymore
2: yeah because
0: he's at uconn but it's, it's possible that right. this could end up turning out to be a decent non-conference schedule for Maryland. Obviously, Maryland fans want it to be, you know, more than. But...
1: I think that, having, well, like, a signature opponent from the Big Ten ACC Challenge would have actually made this, like, a really good non-conference schedule. Yeah, if it was... Depending league, on was, who they play it. in that in that tournament. Because um, with, without the Hauser brothers, I don't know if Marquette's going to be ranked. And like, I
0: mean, you're still playing Power 5 opposition or Power yeah. 6. So, like, that's not bad. And even if you play Davidson, Davidson is in a lot of these projected early top 25 rankings. They're, I think, going to be the A-10 favorites. So, there's a lot of good teams on that list. It's just not like, oh, Maryland would have played Louisville and everything would have looked a lot different.
2: Now Anyone down for the uh, Mark Turgeon Bowl? Mark just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah a and M. i A&M. I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be a
1: shame, though, to see Buzz Williams on the other side and think, wow. Well, could have been did, A&M did okay without okay. Yeah, they threw they, they threw you know Godfather offered Buzz oh god they
0: have it's amazing how much money they have you would not think that A&M has all this money but they do A&M yeah it's not so like much money.
2: it's crazy it's not like they're Texas you'd think Texas would have more money but A&M was just like oh no we also a good about, amount we of talk money talk about
1: how just on brand it is for them to have rev sport coaches named Jimbo and Buzz <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: incredible Actually, very good point I
1: love them. I've I never love thought... them.
0: No, they're annoying. Their fans are annoying. <laughs> they, they, they think they're a lot more important than they actually are. Come on! I mean, Texas team in the SEC for Christ's sake.
1: Yeah, no, it's weird, but like, I I love what they're trying. They to
2: They are the SEC. I always forget that. So I love what they're trying to be.
0: Personified. Yeah, this has suddenly become a Texas A&M podcast. <sighs> well, no, it would be because Texas A&M. Well, okay, anyway. Uh, while we remotely uh, get back on track, or at least try to, we're going to pay the bills. Ad time, sorry. Uh, we will be back very short order because there's a ton of football news we have to get to. How did you like that ad? We actually, as we're recording this, have no idea what the ad is. So we'll find out with you what that ad was. Um,
2: thank I you just for- know that I hated it and skipped through it.
0: <laughs> yes, we're all podcast fans. That's what If been-
2: I didn't get me on D sponsorship by the end of it, I don't think I did it right. Ah, Damn. So close, right? Can we get,
1: like, Go-Go Squeeze or something to
2: sponsor? Sponsor, I'd get sponsored by Nerds Roof. Like, I feel like I could fulfill my end of that contract.
0: I don't know. I I have no idea what would be the most appropriate podcast sponsor for me. I have to think about that for a second. If you have an idea, please send it care to. Anyway, uh, we have to get to football news because there is a ton of it. It's not a lot of – like massive news, a lot of big hitting news. We'll start with the news that we expected to see, which is that Shaq Smith is now officially Thomas a Maryland player. Most people knew that this was coming. This has been in the pipeline for a while. It's now official. I think actually what was really funny is on the like, official Maryland podcast run by their PR folks, Ellie actually mentioned Shaq Smith by name, which should have been the hint that this was happening. Uh, now he's here, and he is immediately eligible. I think he's got two years of eligibility to grad transfer, kind of like how Josh Jackson has two years of eligibility. Shaq Smith is really dang good. He probably would have started for Clemson this year. Not a lot of players, you could say, are, would have started for Clemson
1: that are playing in Maryland. Yeah, I mean, and even if he wasn't starting, like, he he was a rotation player at Clemson. Um, and he was, he came off the bench the last couple of years. Um, you know, he's got now, like, two titles. And, wanted, you know, he graduated in three years, wanted to play at home. Um, he's very, very close with Corey Robinson, uh, Maryland's new defensive backs coach they you know Robinson uh coached him in high school so I mean that that's probably the number one reason for it obviously you know he's got a pretty good relationship with Loxley as well um and we're pretty sure Keandre Jones is going to be eligible but we know for sure Shaq Smith's going to be eligible and you know I think both of those guys kind of profile the same. I, they, you know, if if they're together, they'll play slightly different positions. I think Smith might play that sort of jack position. That's a lot more edge rushing, but yeah, um, it, it's just a very big addition, especially for a position group that you know lost Trey Watson and now Maryland's moving to a three-four, and you need as many bodies as you can have there. Because they I have think they guys like kind of
0: played like a five-two basically, like they almost eliminated the linebacker position, and now they're going to the complete opposite, which is
1: yes. Funny. I mean, for for the for all of the Durkin Andy Boo years, they were 4-2-5. and you know, with with you know putting putting a nickel corner on the field at all times, which you know you can you can debate that, but what it leaves them with is like, what do you do when? You know, now you're switching to three-four. You need more linebackers, and so to get Keandre Jones to get Shaq Smith is, you know, that's that's a way to change the outlook of the position in a hurry.
0: It's a way to change yeah. the outlook of the defense in a hurry, Lamar, because we the defense is changing a lot. You know, a lot of yeah. good players are are not there anymore, and we're a little bit away away from when Maryland's defense was dominant at the pass rush and really didn't do much else. Now, I mean. That's not. We can't say Mike Loxley's completely rebuilt the defense because that's not true, but he's given it a huge shot in the arm in an offseason, which is crazy. And we also mentioned that Sean Savoy is now being listed as a defensive back, so that's the second time in Maryland's recent history that they've taken a wide receiver and turned him into corner. Now, Tino has turned out all right, so maybe Sean Savoy will turn out all right, too, but the defense has just been given a pretty big shot in the arm, and it was kind of a question as to, like, on paper what this team would look like, and... Sort of looks a lot better now.
2: Yeah, and, like, so coming into the Mike Loxley era, you had an idea of what the backfield would look like on offense. And that was about it. You, like, the passing game was, like, you didn't know how he was going to change that. You had an idea from his Alabama years. But then you really had no idea what the defense was going to look like. There's Tino Ellis. There's uh, Antoine Brooks. And then you have to figure out where the rest of your playmakers are coming from. Uh getting Keandre getting Shaq Smith getting Savoy you get a whole you get a lot of help fast cuz you lose uh
0: Trey Watson
2: you, you lose Trey Watson who's off to the NFL after really like anchoring the middle and that was the year after you lost who was who was in the middle of the year before Jermaine lose Carter Trey, Jermaine Carter yes. you lose Jermaine Carter and you lose Trey Watson in subsequent years you don't really know what the middle of your defense is going to look like, especially coming off, like Thomas said, you're playing a 4 where not only are there less players on the field, you have less backups because you're not using as much of the position. So you really have to rebuild that entire position group and that Loxley and his staff have done that in a, in a hurry.
0: As he said, we don't know if Keiondre Jones is eligible yet. They're still fighting it. I would presume he's going to be eligible, but you never know with the NCAA. It's like it's a wheel of justice at this point. You have no idea.
2: But And at this point, even if you presume that for any reason Keandre won't be healthy, now you have Shaq for two years.
0: And then you'll have Keandre <laughs> Jones after that, but you, you'll yeah. have Shaq Smith for two years. IND LA's been. You'll get
1: of- you'll get it you'll you'll definitely get a year of those two together. Yeah. And I think one thing that I, I want to talk about real quick is that these guys are kind of they have a chance to become sort of this defining Mike Loxley story of these guys who you know were super good recruits here and they went elsewhere and had sort of mixed success like Shaq Smith was in the rotation but you know wasn't a starter could have become a starter but you know and Keandre Jones could just kind of struggled to crack the rotation um, a similar story might be Marcus Lewis from you know obviously he was a, a DJ Durkin transfer but it's the same kind of thing of just you know come back home and you know, finally live out the opportunity you hoped that you would be getting somewhere else. And if, if these transfers work out for those guys, then that's something that Loxley is going to be able to point to, to a lot of players. And especially as we see at least more publicly, you know, this sort of transfer world, you know, Loxley will be, he'll be active.
0: Oh, he's going to be incredibly active. Uh, I could make a soccer reference here, but I'm not going to, cause it would be too in, but you think about you know how he has all these connections in the area. We thought, oh, it's going to be for the recruiting classes coming out of high school. Well, yeah, it is, but it's almost as much now. There are plenty of guys who go to schools, don't succeed, and now because the transfer rule has been really liberalized in spite of what some old white men want it to be, which is you have to sit out of here all the time, which is stupid, uh, now they can come back and almost be immediate impact players for Maryland. And it, that's something that if Mike Loxley could pull to, it is – I wouldn't say it's an inefficiency in the marketplace but i would say it is a way for maryland to get some ground back against teams that are going to recruit better than they are all the time because they have better name value than maryland does and if mike loxley could do that then it levels the playing field to a point where he has impact players who he can plug and play right away and doesn't have to necessarily develop
2: and he has like we talked about a lot he has as much, cl- like, respect in this area as anyone else. So he, like, not just, like, does he know the players, he knows their coaches, and, like, they know him and they feel comfortable sending people to him. So transfer uh, the transfer portal is going to be wild.
0: It already kind of is. Uh, we should mention two players are in the Maryland transfer portal going out. One of them is Adam McLean, which is a surprise. He was projected to be a starter. Thomas, do we know what the story behind that is, or is it just something that, you know, coaching changes come and players suddenly fall out of favor, something of this nature?
1: So I think um, I was under the impression because he was sort of a returning starter that because he played on the second team defense in the spring game. And so I was sort of under the impression that, you know, that was just kind of an anomaly. Like Chig Alconquo played with the second team offense. Um, And he's, you know, was unquestionably like the best tight end they had there. Um, you know, so I thought that it was just kind of a blip, but you know, I mean, the more people that you started to hear that actually other guys had sort of played ahead of him and Maryland's heavy on scholarships right now. Like you'll see some other guys transfer out. Um, I, for, for years, I've, I don't remember whether or not Matt Oliveira was on scholarship. Um, the long snapper who will be spending his final year of eligibility at South Carolina. I know Wade Lees was on scholarship. He's Going to UCLA. Can um, you
0: imagine Maryland special teams players, one of them going to play for Will Muschamp and the other for Chip Kelly? That's just funny.
1: Welcome this is, this is not to, to Welcome s-
0: to twenty twelve. I know. This is not meant to slight <laughs> this is not meant to slight those players, but it's meant to laugh at the fact that this is happening. Because, you know, Will Muschamp and, and, and Chip Kelly, oh God. Anyway. Just just saying. And also, I'm surprised that the quarterback situation hasn't worked itself out. We'll get to that in a second because you wrote about it. Uh, Really surprised that we haven't seen a name leave or transfer. We we saw, I mean, names at the transfer portal. We haven't heard more about that recently. I still think there's more than outcoming for Maryland, probably.
1: I'm not entirely sure that you would get that movement this year. Um, I think it's one of those guys like both Pigram and Borenschlager, they're in their fourth years. Um, They'll be redshirt juniors this year. And so if they graduate, they'll be immediately eligible wherever they go, um, no matter what. And, you know, at the moment, you know, it's an open competition and all these guys bring different levels of experience or upside or whatever else. Um, And so it'll be just sort of an interesting, like, I don't think any of them, no one's been eliminated from this job yet. And I don't think anyone's going to be really eliminated until August. And so, and so we'll see, like, Kasim Hill's definitely out the door. Um, like, he hasn't been with the team. They gave the, you know, the new walk-on quarterback in the spring his number. But, you know, beyond that, maybe we see one more from there. I still think we'll probably see a wider seed relief, at least, at least one or two. Well, when you saw um, that
0: Sean Savoy is going to be put at defensive back, it's too many Yeah, so they have, position, they, right. they do
1: have kind of a logjam, uh, and a lot of young guys really stepped up. And so there's, you know this this crop of twenty seventeen wide receivers that has been passed by the guys behind them, and you know those guys have all really struggled to make their impact. And so, I wouldn't be stunned to well, see something there.
2: To that, to that I'll say there were a good amount of twenty seventeen guys on like the most improved list from the spring practices. So I think I saw Carlos Carrier's name on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Carlos Carrier. He was one of those guys who was like getting, you
1: know, getting second team reps, which, you know, at wide receiver, like second team, you'll play a lot. You'll get you'll get some, some attention. Um, Sean Nelson's another one that you saw. Yeah, it's you know, it's guys like that. Like they, they'll have a chance, but I think the guys who don't crack whatever it is, you know, we'll see. Um, so yeah, we'll probably see a couple more of these of these defections. Obviously, it's it's going to be somewhat. You know lower end guys I don't know what else um to to make of McLean's decision I I remember he was actually on pace to graduate but then now I'm my understanding is that he did not graduate so he wouldn't be eligible wherever um
2: uh, well he was in the graduation photo for the team this summer right yeah okay
1: Actually, no, I don't think he was. I don't think he was. I know uh, M.B. Tanyi was and a couple other defensive linemen. Ose Sane, but not, not McLean.
2: Okay.
0: I have no idea. Been out of school for a while, and some of these things are hard to pay attention to. So there's a lot of movement still in and out, and I think that that's not going to necessarily settle itself immediately, but there's still a bit of a ways to go with that. Spring practice has uh, shed a little light on that, and but fall practice will obviously do a lot more. There are a couple of incoming players that we need to talk about. Uh, in terms of recruiting for 2020, they're more Maryland specials. They're three stars that have a lot of potential. Uh, Thomas, let's go into those right now.
1: Yeah. So the first guy to commit, uh, named Santana Saunders, he was he was a camp offer. You know, they had their sort of big man camp, and he really impressed the staff and got an offer, and basically accepted it in a few hours. Um, you know, those kids like that, their their ratings will be low, but the coach will, you know, the coaches will always be very high on them um a lot of those guys like ty johnson was a camp offer he was a guy who you know from maryland he like he went to a really small school and then you know finally got his chance and got an offer and turned into one of maryland's best running backs ever um not saying that's what's going to happen here but um so he is currently the lowest rated player in the class i think his rating could rise i think he's um he's six five two seventy and that's you know a pretty good frame for a tackle especially you know he'll have over a year before he gets to college so he'll be able to put on uh some muscle there and then the the second commit these were both last week back-to-back days um rashad battle he's a cornerback he's from uh, fairburn georgia um but he is the now second highest rated member of the class behind linebacker ruben hippolyte um he's a high three-star another guy that people think is actually underrated with that rating um so maryland's class right now is interesting it's eight guys it's currently as i'm looking at this number 41 in the country the highest rating is about 8700 on composite which you know relatively high three star it's it's not what you would have expected from loxley at this point especially because you know the state of maryland has so much talent this year but pretty much all of those top players. Like I think 13 of the top 15 players in Maryland have committed and none are committed to Maryland. And the other two are their crystal balls or not to Maryland. Um, so, you know, the, there's reason to be a little discouraged, but also, you know, I, I kind of like, indiv- you know, one by one, all the guys that they're bringing in. Um, and it's Loxley. he got a lot of flips late last year when he had no time to do anything. Um, you know, a couple of those guys that are already committed will probably be at least on their radar uh, before it's all said and done.
0: The idea that Maryland wouldn't get any of like the top 20 players in the DMV out of this class seems kind of far-fetched. I think they're going to get at least a couple. Uh, it, these processes sometimes can be slow burns, and you got a long way to go in it, too. And, and Mike Loxley's probably not discouraged about it either. And also, remember, if you don't get necessarily the guys the first time around, there's always the second time around, as Mike Loxley has proven with some of these transfers. Yes, Thomas? I mean, that's the other thing we have to think about is like the, the recruiting yeah, I think it's one of those... transfers in them, which maybe they should now.
1: To yeah. Be honest. So, so 20, I mean, I know 24 seven sports. They now have like separate ratings for transfer portal. So like, you know, like Josh Jackson's like a four star transfer, whatever. I don't know um, how that
0: is graded, but I'd love to find
1: out. I don't know. either. I, you know, maybe one of these days this summer I'll look into it, but. Um, yeah, and I think you know it's a lot of the same things that you would be pitching about Maryland, um, with probably you know just the location. You know, it's close to home. The opportunities off the field are you know in- incredible. I know a lot of guys have sort of come to Maryland and had more success with like internships and whatever else than than on the field. And so, well,
0: well there's also there's also this. There's also hey, you can play in the Big Ten. And you're playing against Mm -hmm. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State every year. And for a lot of guys, I mean, if they didn't get there or, you know, they wanted to and – or they left, now you get to play against them. It's not a bad recruiting pitch.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think it's almost easier if a guy wants to leave somewhere, you know, to say come back home than to tell a recruit stay Mm -hmm. home. Because, I mean – Like, I think think there's – it's a little easier – the second time this is
0: definitely true i have gone through we've all gone through when you go to college you immediately when you're a 17 year old you think you know everything you want to leave and then you realize maybe not but it comes later so anyway uh the other pieces of news in terms of football i mentioned in the last show the schedule stuff has been released a lot of noon games for maryland their first four games are on four different tv networks that is the glory of college football uh howard's on btn syracuse is going to be espn or ESPN 2 Then cbs sports network our old friend for the temple game. And then Friday night against Penn state was on, is on FS one. So that's, that's a lot of fun. So Lamar, there's one other piece of football news we need to talk about, which is Mike Loxley's son, Kai has been implicated in the law recently. He's now a quarterback at UTEP. It's been a struggle for him recently. And this is obviously not good news. You don't want to see this for anybody tangentially related to the Maryland program, having issues like this, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. uh, Definitely a situation like that. Uh, you don't want to see, and it was uh, the initial charges were uh, DVWI and marijuana possession, the latter, which is like not a thing if you're in a different state. Uh, but he uh, was also found with a uh, handgun, so hopefully the law resolves itself and the family's fine.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Thomas, did we miss any football news? I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, there is one other thing that we did miss. I do want to talk about this because uh, it was kind of an interesting recruiting story. Is there's one athlete, his name is escaping me at the moment, but he was... Jordan interested-
2: Toles. See where we're going with this. Yes.
0: He was interested in Maryland football and basketball, but he's going to LSU. Insert your Will Wade jokes here.
1: Yep, and insert your... Do you guys remember uh, there was a there was this recruit one time who was down to like two schools who played each other in a bowl game, and he was just like, "I'm just gonna go ho- to whoever wins this bowl game," and he did. Yes. So maybe this kid was like that with Maryland and LSU. Ah, uh,
2: oh. Tremont Waters sealed his recruitment. That's rough. That sucks.
0: Brutal, <laughs> man. If, if it's even true, I mean that would if it was.
1: I mean, it, it wouldn't be, but yeah. however. Yeah,
0: you I never thought of it like that. So, uh, well, my brain hurts now.
1: I think about I don't I don't remember who that kid was or whatever, but I think about him a lot. Uh, I
2: remember I remember the situation. I don't remember who it was or what school he ended up choosing.
0: That's that's funny. So that was just an interesting I just know
2: me. that
1: West Virginia was involved somehow,
0: probably. Well, yeah. All that we know for this is that Mark Turgeon and Mike Lockley were both interested in recruiting this kid. Uh, but he's gone to LSU. So you won't hear about him until the FBI implicates. We'll wait even further. Anyway, (laughs) uh, what else do we have on football? Is that it? I think that's it.
1: I think that's pretty much it for for football. Um, We'll be, you know, on this site, we'll have a ton of stuff all summer. We've, you know, we we started our State of the Program series with football, and I just talked about, um, you know, where they're at, what they're trying to do. Like they've, you know, it's another new coach. This is their, kind of fourth coach this decade if you count 2010 um you know they've hit the reset button a lot and there's reasons to hope that that this time's different i think um as for this year's team you know we are t- you know this week is quarterbacks week and we'll you know we'll go go on down the positions and some are more um you know have more positive outlooks than others um as far as other sports the track and field season wraps up with ncaa championships and with that, the Maryland 2018-19 calendar year is, or you know, act, you know, act athletic year is over. Um, I think the the one sort of real storyline to watch was Greg Thompson, the senior discus thrower, um, had really the best throw in the country this season. And it was a real figure to be like a contender to win the national championship and finished 11th, um, you know, second team All-American. He finished second last year. So it's, a bit of a downer to end what was still a really, really great season for him and a really good career. Um, You know, I've, we've written about that program before. We'll talk about it later this summer in, in, uh, in the state of the program series. It's a program that is, is on the rise. Um, What, you know, it's ceiling it's, it's hard to say, but it's better now than it was a little bit ago.
0: Well, we could also say that now that the uh, 2018-19 athletic year, I should say, is over. It ended with two national championships.
1: Two national championships, a trip to the title game. Um, I had the idea a little bit, and we'll do this probably in the the coming weeks. I think a few women's lacrosse awards are going to come out later this week. And so um, kind of after those awards are all settled, um, we will have some sort of best of sort of stuff that you know readers can vote on and do that um i'm excited for that we'll see we'll see how it goes he's trying something a little different like just best of the year it was a it was a crazy year in maryland athletics and uh god was never yeah yeah Yeah, i mean from the two championships to two podcasts uh, in
2: a day on halloween a firing and a uh, new coach
0: i mean yeah
1: i mean just just everything
0: uh Okay, a couple of other things we want to mention briefly. MLB had their draft. Uh, a couple of Marin players were drafted. A couple of their prospective incoming recruits were drafted. Don't know whether that means much for them, you know, leaving school or going pro already. Uh, Thomas, I barely pay attention to the Major League Baseball draft because it's like 40 rounds of insanity. But uh, you can pick up on that. Well,
1: uh, there, there's about 10 picks of sanity and then you kind of lose it like Listen, like Adley- I the
0: NHL draft and there's a lot of insanity there with people you've never yeah. heard of playing for teams you've never heard of in third divisions in Finland but the baseball draft is more insane just completely yes. bananas
1: I mean yeah because it's like high school college players together and whatever else like all I'm just saying is that I for one welcome our new overlord Adley Rutschman oh of course you would say that yes absolutely
0: of course, you would say. I that. don't know
1: what kind of I I don't know what kind of a name that is. Like, I don't know if that's a superstar's name, but we're gonna find out.
0: Well, I would say that he's probably the best hitter on the Orioles now.
1: Yep. Anyway. Well, okay. Don't 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 drag Trey Mancini like that. But anyway, well, so would, so no, no, no on the please. on the Maryland side, Hunter Parsons. Uh, I believe he's a Met. Nineteenth um, yeah, round.
0: Yeah, another Met. Another pitch of the Mets can ruin.
1: <laughs> It'll take time. It'll take time for them oh, to do it's, that.
0: It's the Mets. It's They'll the get him all
1: the way through the, the system. Them. We'll get him all the way through the system. He'll get, he'll be, he'll really be promising. And that's when they ruin him. That's, Big that's how the metrics.
0: Rumble ponies, baby.
1: I hope he gets that high. Let's oh, do it. That would be great. Um, AJ Lee to the Houston Astros. Um, that's the, that's the organization that drafted Marty Costas twice. And that's, that's where Marty is now. Um, so reunited with former teammate there. Uh, three commits were drafted late. There were a few guys who, um, you know, received sort of high round grades before the draft. But one of the weirder parts of that draft is that, like, high school players, if they slip past a certain point, people just expect them to fulfill their college commitment and then stay away from them and then draft them in, like, the 30th round. So it's it's just a lot of, like, weird stuff there. But Maryland's had three commits drafted, but all were drafted late. Um, if I had to guess, I think really all three have a pretty good chance to – um coming to college
0: did Mike Schworen also get called up by the Red Sox
1: Mike (laughs) Schworen got called up by the Red Sox uh Brandon Lau was almost the first batter he faced uh he made the last out the previous inning um Schworen pitched twice over the weekend he was pretty good I think four innings allowed just one run um he hit Brandon Lau with a pitch that's funny yeah so that's uh that's some turp on turp violence there
0: ah great That's 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 funny. Uh, It's the most I've ever thought about the Red Sox in recent
1: years. Really outside of the World (laughs) Series. Yeah, I was about to say, like, were you just like in a hole? I mean, outside
0: of the World Series, I don't really think of the Red Sox that much, you know, because Boston teams win everything. So I try not to think about that all that often, Mm -hmm. particularly since another one's probably going to win one. We're recording this Tuesday. So the next day, (laughs) they're probably going to win one again. Uh, Final Uh piece of news. On the longest June podcast in the history of Maryland sports, the Big Ten's going to have a new commissioner. Jim Delaney is going to leave us after having bringing Maryland into the conference and giving them a boatload of money they can't actually use. Now they have a new commissioner.
1: Yeah, and so it's – Kevin Warren is a pretty interesting hire. Uh, for number one, he's the first African-American commissioner in any Power Five conference, like, ever. And that's pretty noteworthy. He so comes that from – surprise me. No, I mean, this is one of those things where it's, like, everyone who does this, everyone who gets promoted to this has been, like, sort of in, you know, the hierarchy and the bureaucracy forever, and, you know, Kevin Warren was the chief operating officer of the Minnesota Vikings for, like, 14 years, 15 years, Um, did a lot of great stuff with them. Pretty much everyone who reported on this hire had really, really positive things to say, and thinks it's a really good hire. He's, you know, he's a bit of an outsider, so it'll be somewhat of an adjustment. But I think, um, you know, he brings a lot of qualifications and it seemed from his press conference like he's, you know, at least a likable person. And we'll see what kind of ideas he can can bring to the table going forward.
0: The thing you will note when you see a new commissioner is how much money does this means Maryland is going to get in TV deals? Because basically the job of a major conference commissioner at this point is expansion and or TV deals. And the Big Ten's TV deal expires in 2023. That's not that far away. I know it sounds like it's the, a million years away, but it's not. Uh, it also comes into, like, how is Maryland going to get some of the TV payments that they haven't been getting and how all those things are structured. And, of course, there's a lot of other conferencey things that go on that are less noted, but the TV money is the biggest thing. So, anyway, we'll see where that plays out. I think, as Thomas, we now end the longest podcast in the history of Maryland sports in June – Well, missed anything?
1: I think we've we've done I think longer ones on on the draft and whatnot. Um, NBA draft in a couple weeks, so it's not it's not too soon. But
0: well, this one's like fifty-four minutes, and we had a ton of news. So I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's fair. It is, and also the ads. The ads make it longer.
2: Uh, The damn ads. I know, right?
1: Don't forget about the
2: ads. Hey yo, me undies. If you're hearing this, send me some underwear. Oh God. Okay, well, well,
0: maybe maybe another time. Okay, thank you very much for listening. We will I think stop our next, there. I think our next show, because the NBA draft is uh, next week. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. it's next
0: week. So Yeah, so it'll be... It'll be after the NBA draft where we talk about uh, how Bruno Fernando is going to fit into wherever he's drafted.
1: And why is it the Atlanta Hawks again? And
0: why is it the Atlanta Hawks? And why I have to now root for the Atlanta Hawks, which really annoys me because I don't want to root for the oh,
2: Atlanta Hawks. Oh, if, they, if uh, they actually take, like... Uh, my uh, two landing spots for Bruno right now are the Hawks and the Spurs because they they have multiple first round picks and I think he'd fit in well with either he's of them. Like a
0: Spurs player, he really does. I think Pop would love him.
2: Honestly, I think Pop would love him because he just Absolutely. Does, he just likes to do work. Um, but I'm getting I might have to cop a Hawks jersey if they have. Well, if Bruno hurt Fernando, if Fernando. If
0: Bruno Fernando goes to the Hawks, I I need somebody from Maryland or the Hawks to with Bruno and Kevin on it and then all the Maryland fans will buy
2: it.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. man, honestly like throw Alex Len like in the background of it and... Yeah,
2: yeah, you got to throw Alex Len. Like he's like he has like a hand on both shoulders. Yeah, yes. Like
1: like yeah. Kaiser Soze. I don't know what kind of nickname they would come up with for Bruno, but I I hope it can come close to Ron Threesley for Kevin Herder.
0: Oh, wow. Does that a real name that exists?
2: It is. It, oh, it, it made God it to the television, so it's real. I love it. I, I love, love it. That. The that's red horrible. hair.
1: That's Absolutely. beautiful. I'm, that's I'm, I, amazing I knew name. you would. But, Ron Breesley. Like, Come on. Like, people. I wish. Uh, all right. That We're going to have to end there. We're gonna
0: have to end there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that nickname at all, and it's kind of depressing. Anyway, thank you very
1: much for listening. We'll talk to you after the NBA draft. And yeah, we'll turn the Terps.